From Southern California, this is Outlook in Review, a summary of world headlines, technology and business news, arts and entertainment features, and instructive encouragement from the Praiselite Media Studios, Thousand Oaks, California. Good day, it's Wednesday, the 22nd of August, 2018. Seattle, Washington, and the surrounding regions are enduring some of the worst smoke pollution from nearby wildfires in recent memory. The plume of smoke and ash from fires in British Columbia, Canada, as well as throughout Washington, Idaho, Montana, California, and Oregon is so thick that it can be seen from space, stretching across the Pacific Northwest and into the upper atmosphere, drifting as far east as New England, with smoke being reported in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Vancouver, Canada had the worst air quality in the world on Monday. Seattle's air was the fourth worst, and though it's not the worst the region has ever experienced, according to the Bellingham Herald, breezes from the north and northeast on Tuesday carried smoke from several hundred wildfires in British Columbia alone, and meteorologists said that relief remained a day or more away. Back in Seattle, one of the hardest hit areas with high population, and in a city where only about one out of six homes has central air, even people without respiratory problems were at risk as the smoke seeped through windows left open to cool things down. The temperature Tuesday hovered around 90 degrees on the high end of the spectrum for the averagely cool and crisp Puget Sound area. According to Seattle's Q13 TV, the area may start to see improving conditions Wednesday night with a noticeable difference on Thursday, but the only lasting change will come once the fires are completely out. Google believes everyone could do with a steady stream of just good news. The Mountain View, California tech giant announced on Tuesday that it's testing a new Google Assistant feature called Tell Me Something Good that according to TechCrunch will allow users to hear a summary of more uplifting news stories. Google states that the stories will focus on people who are solving problems for our communities and our world. To activate the feature, assistant users in the US can say, Hey Google, tell me something good. According to NPR, in a decade, Utah reduced chronic homelessness by 91%. It's housing first approach. The stories are selected and summarized by the Solutions Journalism Network, a self-proclaimed nonpartisan organization that helps train journalists to better cover how people are responding to problems and how those actions can have positive results. But while this is an interesting concept, Google is unable to truly define good, much less the good news that all people actually need to hear. And since there is only one source of true good, and that is the author of it, God, this concept that Google is rolling out is left to be curated by man's sinful and conflicting interpretations, interpretations which on the whole will have little or no knowledge of what truly constitutes good.
1929, a Belgian cartoonist who wrote under the pen name Hergé published the first of many in a series of stories following the adventures of a young Belgian reporter and his trusty dog, Milou. The adventures of Tintin captured readers not just in Belgium and France, but across the world as he himself traveled the globe, never far from danger, but yet never too far from victory either. Tintin had been exploring for over 10 years when Nazi Germany invaded Belgium in May of 1940, and although Hergé briefly fled to France, he returned to Belgium, but the newspaper that he wrote the cartoons and stories for had been closed down by the Nazis, and upon finding a newspaper which was still allowed under the new rule, some content which Hergé had incorporated in previous stories, like political themes, were barred from publication. In 1944, when the war ended, the newspaper, which was run by the Germans, was shut down and again, Tintin vanished. But two years later, boy and dog resurfaced, this time in a magazine of their own. Le Journal de Tintin was published twice a week, and with each release, the next segment of the fascinating adventures continued with recurring characters such as the bumbling detectives Dupont and Dupont, translated to Thompson and Thompson in the English adaptations of the stories, Sea Captain Adouk, Professor Trifon Tournesol, Professor Cuthbert Calculus in English, and Bianca Castiafor, an opera singer who always seems to show up wherever adventure takes Tintin and his cohorts. Milou, named Snowy in the English stories, is a white fox terrier who is loyal to a fault unless a distraction, such as a bone, presents itself. The stories were adapted into animated shows in 1957 and then again in the early 1990s which gave the storyline a major boost in popularity and was shown in 50 countries around the world. In 2011, Steven Spielberg produced a motion capture 3D film based on the three stories, The Crab with the Golden Claws, Red Rackham's Treasure, and The Secret of the Unicorn, which the film gained its subtitle name from. Over the years, the iconic Tintin has been the subject of documentaries, the theater, radio, video games, merchandise, stamps, coins, and even entire exhibitions. Passing away in 1983, Hergé is now recognized as one of the leading cartoonists of the 20th century, and although he did other work, notably in the field of art and drawings, The Adventures of Tintin is his most memorable work and continues to live on in film and cartoon stories for both young and old in Belgium, France, and across the world. The Bible's Old Testament calls God by many names, but one of the most beautiful names is Jehovah Jireh which is translated, the Lord will provide. The provision of God for his people is so much a characteristic of the Lord that it's one of his very names. Now, many of us would state that we would never question God's love, his greatness, mightiness, holiness, and that he is just and good. But sometimes we question whether God provides. We may not say so in word, but we as humans say so in action. We worry, we doubt, we stress over what we consider to be our needs. We are afraid that God, despite his provisions in the past and his promises to us through his word, isn't going to meet our needs. But in Matthew 6, Jesus very specifically tells us not to worry about what to eat, drink, or wear. 
our actions ought to reflect the certain knowledge that we have that the Lord is Jehovah Jireh. In Psalm 37, King David said, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. The world and society fall all over themselves trying to make sure that they have what they want and what they think they need. But as followers of Christ, we should not be focusing on these things the way the world does. Unlike the world's call for success and achievement, our Father knows our needs and he will always give to us what he knows we need. The call of the culture claims the need to own or control things in order to have our needs met, but may we rest assured in God's promises to provide for his children. He is Jehovah Jireh and he has promised to do so. May we worship God with our lives, our actions, and our attitudes, and may we invest in his kingdom, avoiding the natural and sinful temptation to be anxious for our needs. For as 1 Timothy says, if we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. May contentment characterize our lives, and when the temptation to worry and fear that he will not provide enters our thoughts, may we cry out to God and ask him to help us trust him more. And may we always remember to stop and thank God for the many ways that he so faithfully provides for us every single day. When God provides for a believer, he's being true to his very name. And renew our minds, help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. Truths unchanged from the Thanks for listening to Outlook in Review. Contact us anytime with questions or comments. We'd always love to hear from you. We're on Twitter at Outlook in Review and Facebook.com forward slash Outlook in Review, where you can find information to various topics we cover on the show. Until next time from Thousand Oaks, California, I'm Ben Ditzel. This is Outlook in Review. Outlook in Review.